Hi, welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 14, The Myths of Thebes. The myth of the foundation of the city of Thebes is another of those stories which involves meddling by the gods. It starts with another of Zeus's visits to a mortal woman. We've already met her and found out about her children. The woman in question was Europa, mother of King Minos of Crete. As we know, Zeus appeared as a magnificent white bull with horns shining like jewels. Europa sat on the back of the bull and it carried her away to Crete. Her family never saw her again. We know what happened to Europa. Now, though, we need to see what happened to the family she left behind. Europa's brothers set out to look for her. They never found her and eventually had to give up the quest. One of them, Cadmos, didn't want to give up, but he knew that he was getting nowhere, so he went to see the oracle at Delphi. He was told he wouldn't find Europa and it was time to stop looking. He was also told he must follow a cow with a white mark like a full moon. He must go wherever the cow went and found a city where it chose to rest. This all sounded a bit nuts, but the oracle of Apollo is the oracle of Apollo, and when it tells you to do something, it usually pays to do as you are told. Cadmos went searching for the cow, thinking that it was a crazy thing to do, but he eventually found it. The cow was obviously no ordinary cow, because it didn't get tired or fancy a rest for a very long time. Having followed his mooing guide for ages as it wandered about, Cadmos began to wonder if the crazy thing would ever stop. But stop it did, eventually, exhausted, in the plains of Boeotia. Cadmos gratefully prepared to sacrifice the cow to Athena and sent some men to fetch water. They stooped to pull water from a nearby spring. Unfortunately, it was a spring of Ares and was guarded by a monstrous dragon. The dragon, with its triple-forked tongue and body full of poison, killed most of the men. Cadmos, though, was made of stronger stuff and he drew his sword in fury and attacked. Pretty soon, the monster lay dead. Athena was mightily impressed and she told Cadmos to take the monster's teeth and sow them into the ground. He did as he was told and was amazed to see warriors begin to grow up from the earth. Cadmos knew what to do. He flung stones into the middle of the group so they thought they were all being attacked by each other. The warriors fought amongst themselves until they were nearly all dead. Only five survived. These five became known as the Spartoi and they became the heads of the great families of the new city which Cadmos founded. The city was called Cadmia. The founding of Cadmia happened long before the voyage of the Argo. Some of the dragon's teeth were left over and found their way to Colchis. It was these teeth that we saw Jason sow during his quest for the fleece. Cadmos married Harmonia, the daughter of Ares and Aphrodite. Aphrodite gave Harmonia an enchanted necklace as a wedding present. This necklace will have an important part to play in our story. Cadmos and Harmonia had five children, and we have heard about some of them already. Their daughter, Semele, was the mother of Dionysus. It took a while for the rule of the city to settle down. After going through a few kings, two descendants of Cadmos came to the throne. They were twins called Amphion and Zethos. They killed the king who was reigning at the time and banished his son called Laos. They then set about strengthening their city. Zethos was a clever and practical man and he started to build huge walls around the city. Amphion was a wonderful musician and owned a magical lyre given to him by Hermes. As he played the instrument, the stones which were being used to build the wall magically rose into place and fitted themselves. The brothers gave their city seven gates, 
one for each of the strings on the lyre. They then renamed it Thebes, after Thebe, Zethos's wife. All was super. Everything was ready for the magnificent city to become one of the most important in Greece. Unfortunately, things rarely remained super in Greek myths, and they certainly didn't for Amphion and Zethos. Soon, both died. Thebes was, was without a ruler, and so the rightful king, Laos, returned from exile. Unfortunately, Laos had managed to acquire a curse while he was in exile. He was told he would be killed by his own son. Laos married Jocasta, daughter of a Theban, and for a while they had no children. Eventually, though, a son was born. Laos was terrified. He knew he had to do something to change the prophecy, so he pinned the ankles of the baby together and gave him to a herdsman. He ordered the herdsman to throw the baby out to die on Mount Githarion. The man couldn't do it. Instead, he took the young boy to another herdsman, who carried the child back to his home city of Corinth. The king and queen of Corinth, Polybos and Merope, had no children of their own, and they gladly took in the baby and brought him up as their own son. He was named Oedipus. Oedipus believed that Polybos and Merope were his real mum and dad. One day, he was teased by one of his friends, who said that Oedipus did not look like either of his parents. He did what everyone did in these circumstances, and went to visit the oracle to ask about his future. He was told he would kill his father and marry his mother. Poor Oedipus was horrified, and thinking that the king and queen of Corinth were his real parents, he left the city forever. Oedipus roamed around for a while, not really knowing where he was going to go. He was walking along a road towards Thebes one day, when he got in the way of a carriage, carrying an important-looking man and some servants. The man ordered him to get off the road. "'Make way for your betters!' he commanded, in an unpleasant voice. Oedipus was tired and cross, so he decided not to make way for his betters, but to carry on walking. He said that he had no betters except the gods and his parents. "'So much the worse for you,' said the man, and ordered his chariot to start again. The chariot ran over Oedipus's foot. Oedipus was tired and cross. Now he was also hopping mad. In fact, he was quite literally hopping mad, since he'd just had his foot run over. He decided he was definitely not making way for his betters now. In fact, he decided he was going to kill them. And kill them he did. Only one of the servants survived, but the king of Thebes was dead. Yes, the important-looking man had been Laos, king of Thebes. Oedipus had killed his real father without knowing it. All of the prophecy given to Laos, and half the prophecy given to Oedipus, had come true. Oedipus continued on to Thebes, not knowing that his mother, Jocasta, was queen of the city. When Oedipus arrived in Thebes, he found the city in great danger. The population was slowly being reduced by a terrible monster called the Sphinx, another of the awful children of Typhon and Echidna. The Sphinx had the head of a woman, the body of a lion, and the wings of a bird. She sat on the nearby Mount Phicion and challenged the Thebans whenever they passed to answer a riddle. If anyone failed to get the answer correct, she ate them. Nobody ever got the answer correct, and the Sphinx had many big meals as she slowly devoured the population of the city. The Sphinx was happy and very full. And this was the riddle. There is on earth a creature which has two feet, three feet, and four feet. When it has the most feet, it is at its weakest. What is the name of this creature? Do you know the answer? If you do, then you are cleverer than all of the people of Thebes. I'll give you a minute to think about it.
The people of Thebes had learned that Laos was dead and were desperate. Queen Jocasta was desperate. The old king's brother, who should have become king himself, was desperate. He was so desperate that he said whoever could answer the riddle and defeat the Sphinx could marry Jocasta and become king. It's not hard to guess what's going to happen here, is it? Oedipus walked to the foot of the mountain and looked up at the monstrous creature. She spoke to him. There is on earth a creature which has two feet, three feet and four feet. When it has the most feet, it is at its weakest. What is the name of this creature? Oedipus looked at the Sphinx as if it was stupid. The answer is man, he said. Man crawls on four feet when he's a child, he walks on two feet when he's an adult, and when he is an old man, he has a stick to help him walk, which makes three feet. When he has the most feet, he is at his weakest. The Sphinx looked horrified. She turned her head and threw herself off the top of the mountain to her death. Thebes was saved, and Oedipus, of course, married Jocasta. The whole of the prophecy had now come true, although neither Oedipus nor Jocasta knew it. The gods knew it, though. A great plague descended on the city. A wise, blind man, who we've already met, called Tiresias, told Oedipus and Jocasta that the plague would never be lifted until Laos's killer was found and brought to justice. Now, as we know, it was Oedipus who had killed Laos on the road to Thebes, although he still didn't know that it was Laos he had killed. He declared he was putting a curse on the unknown killer. As time went on, Oedipus tried to find out who had killed Laos, still not knowing it was him. He questioned Tiresias. The wise, blind man, of course, knew the answer, and he told the truth. The killer was Oedipus himself. Oedipus would not believe the old man, and went back to the palace to complain about Tiresias to Jocasta. Jocasta tried to make him feel better. She comforted him, and then told him that Laos had been killed on the road from Corinth to Thebes. Oedipus remembered the important-looking man with the servants, and knew that it just might be true. Maybe he had killed Laos. Just to make sure, he sent out to find the servant who had survived the attack. While he was waiting for the servant to be found, Oedipus heard disturbing news from Corinth. The man who he thought to be his father, Polybos, was dead. The prophecy had told him he would kill his father and marry his mother, but now Polybos was dead and he hadn't done it. Oedipus realised that Polybos could not have been his real father. Suddenly, he forgot about trying to find out who had killed Laos and started worrying about who his real father was. Tiresias then told Oedipus the awful truth. Laos was his father. Oedipus had killed him and now he was married to his mother. The servant was found and he confirmed that Oedipus had killed Laos. It just so happened he was also the herdsman who had given the baby Oedipus to the king and queen of Corinth in the first place. When Jocasta heard the terrible news, she killed herself in shame. Oedipus continued to reign over Thebes for a few years, but he could never get over what had happened. Eventually he left and wandered about. After a few years he found himself in Attica. There he died, and he was buried by Theseus. Two of the sons of Oedipus, the twins Eteocles and Polynices, were heirs to the throne. They were still young children, so Creon, Jocasta's brother, was regent until they were old enough to rule. When they came of age, it was agreed that one would reign for a year and then hand power over to the other. When the second twin had finished his year on the throne, he would hand power back to the first, and so on. Eteocles took the first turn, but refused to hand over power when his year ended. 
He claimed Polynikes was evil and not fit to rule, and then he had his twin brother banished. Polynikes managed to escape with the enchanted necklace given by Aphrodite to Harmonia. Polynikes fled to Argos and was taken in by King Adrastos. Soon after he arrived, another exile also turned up in Argos. He was Tydeus, son of the King of Caledon, who had been exiled for murder. The two did not get on, and one night they had a fight in the street. On their shields were the emblems of their kingdoms, the Lion of Thebes and the Boar of Caledon. Adrastos saw what was going on and stopped the fight. He told the two men he'd been given a prophecy that his two daughters would marry a lion and a boar. Suddenly it became clear that his daughters should marry Polynikes and Tydeus. He promised his new sons-in-law he would help them get back their kingdoms. Soon after the weddings, the time came to march on Thebes. Adrastos brought together a group of champions. There was Adrastos himself, Polynikes and Tydeus, Amphiarios, who could see into the future, two champions from Argos and an ally of the king from Arcadia. Together these men became known as the Seven against Thebes. Amphiarios did not want to take on the quest to take Thebes. He had seen the future and he knew they would all die except Adrastos. His wife, Eryphile, persuaded him to go though, because Polynikes had promised her Harmonia's enchanted necklace if she would force her husband to join the quest. The Seven set off with a large army. As they travelled towards Thebes, they stopped in many places. At each place bad things happened. The omens for success were not good. The army reached the walls of Thebes, and Tydeus was sent in to talk to Eteocles and demand that he gave up the throne and handed it back to Polynikes. Eteocles, of course, refused, and sent his champions in one by one to challenge Tydeus. He beat them all until no more would volunteer. Still, Eteocles would not give in, and so Tydeus left the city to rejoin the army. The seven champions each stood before one of the seven gates of Thebes and prepared for battle. Wise, blind Tiresias told Eteocles that Thebes could emerge victorious, but only if a royal prince offered himself as a sacrifice to Ares. Fortunately, for the king of Thebes, one of the sons of Creon stepped forward and threw himself off the walls to his death. Still the Thebans did not believe they could win, until one of the seven champions put a ladder against the wall and started to climb up. Zeus launched a thunderbolt and struck him dead. The people of Thebes began to believe that they would come out on top and fought bravely. Two more of the champions were killed and Tydeus was badly wounded. Athena had a bit of a soft spot for Tydeus and she asked Zeus for an elixir to give to the champion to save his life. Zeus reluctantly agreed and Athena set off for the battlefield. Amphiarios, though, hated Tydeus for wanting to be part of this stupid quest and he played a trick on him. He cut off the head of Melanippus, the man who had wounded Tydeus, and brought it to the dying champion. Here is revenge, said Amphiarios, and handed over the head. Quick, split it open and eat the brains. Tydeus, for some reason, did as he was told, and had a good feast on the brains of the Theban. Sadly, for Tydeus, just as he was chomping away on a nice bit of gooey brain, Athena arrived. The goddess was so horrified by the sight of Tydeus devouring the squidgy head contents that she changed her mind and didn't give him the elixir. He died there and then. Amphiarios smiled. To save further bloodshed, Polynikes and Eteocles agreed to meet in single combat to decide who would be king. 
They fought and fought and fought until they were both absolutely exhausted. Eventually, each summoned up enough strength for one final lunge with his sword. Both lunged at the same time and both hit their target. Both of the twins died. Amphiaraos tried to escape on his chariot, but a spear was thrown at him. It was about to land in his back when Zeus took pity on him and opened up a great chasm in the earth. Amphiaraos was swallowed up and descended to the underworld. As he had foretold, only Adrastos survived. Creon, again, became the ruler of Thebes. Ten years later, a second campaign was fought against the great city by the sons of the men who had died on the first one. They were called the Epigonioi, the Afterborn. This time, Eryphile was given Harmonia's beautiful wedding robe if she forced her sons to go. She had sent her poor husband off to certain death in the first campaign, and this time she sent her poor sons. This time, though, the quest was a success, and Thebes fell. The walls were destroyed, and the city never again had the same strength. The sons of Eryphile returned home and killed their mother. She had caused the death of her husband and put their lives in danger just for the sake of some nice presents. She would not be the last to cause death by being greedy. Next time, we will begin the story of the greatest of all the heroes, Heracles. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.